Jason Voorhees is my role model and personal hero. One of the few to truly have dedicated his life to something worthy. My delicious yeet, poggers. Awoo. Awoo. Uwa. Uwa. Uwoo. Uwoo. Awa. 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 What the hell does that make any sense? Awoo. Why? Why would the kids say awoo to each other? What, what is that supposed to signify? This idiot. Awoo. Maybe it's uwa. Uwa. Yes, that's, that sounds good. Ooh-ah. So, pog me sideways. It is your dad of mad, your grog of pog, your toy boy Lloyd, coming at you with another incredible podcast. I see our numbers continue to grow as so many young listeners are standing and fanning. Our Stan fans. Yes, that's pretty good. Well, pogalicious young Cheeriodles, you just keep listening. The path to hell is paved with entertainment. Today's podcast is brought to you by Gloria's Mystery Meats. Yes, a new concept in butcher stores. Folks, in these hard times, meat can be hard to come by, and who can even guess at its quality? Well, Gloria's Mystery Meats promises you quality meat every time, but every time is also a surprise. Open your minds. Why does it always have to be beef? Plenty of creatures, plenty of meat. Lots of things you might not think taste good are actually delicious. Has your precious Fido met her end? Well, why waste good meat? Why stuff your beloved best friend in a hole in the ground? Why not let her become one with you? One with your tummy? Yes, let Fido's goodness be experienced by the whole family. A family that eats together, eats together. The world around you is full of wonderful creatures, just waiting to be experienced in new and delicious ways. Don't be specious. Rats have a lot to offer. With Gloria's new book, 500 Delicious Recipes for Rat, you can eat like royalty, feasting on incredible dishes made out of rodent. I can personally attest how delicious rodent can be. Why, many years ago, me and my boyfriend were traveling around the multiverse, perusing its many wonders, sampling so many delicious creatures. Why, if you've ever looked in its sweet eyes, so big and full of innocent wonder at the big, great, wide, wonderful world, then friends, we've eaten it. Mud bears, swamp spiders, gizzard tentacles, college students, so many glorious dishes to sample. Some of these can be your next exciting meal at Gloria's Mystery Meats. All right, now that that's out of the way, I think we can get to this episode's story. So without further ado, um, where are we? Episode four, three, 
No, four, five... Well, listen, it's just the next episode. It's... Here it is. Your story. The gang had been working earnestly on learning and performing two scenes from two different plays. Asha and Lloyd had a theory that they could learn to jump narratives by performing a scene from one play, stopping suddenly mid-scene, doing a small dance, and at the end of the dance, transitioning into a scene from the second play. They tried it casually a few times, and Jill claimed to have felt something shift, but Lloyd made the case that it didn't work because they weren't fully immersed in the performance so they dedicated themselves to performing the two scenes properly. Michael, to no one's surprise, was by far the best actor among them. Asha surprised everyone by being quite good too, but she would insist on writing pages upon pages of character backstory to prepare for the role, and even looked up method acting techniques to get into character. Michael just nonchalantly fell into his roles. Lloyd was a terrible actor. He tried so hard, and the others encouraged him warmly, but he could only really be himself. They all agreed he should be the narrator, as he was very good at delivering exposition. Jill was fine as long as she stayed within her range, but she was a great director. It was starting to come together, and during what they termed a dress rehearsal, when they did the scene transition, they all experienced a moment's flash, where they all collectively saw themselves in a completely different place for just a split second. It was a short, a momentary flash, but they all whooped and cheered, encouraged by the proof that they were in fact onto something. The next day at rehearsal, however, Asha informed the group that there should be a change of plans. And I hate changing plans, she said, so you can believe me and Lloyd when we say it's important. Is this about the hallucinations? Michael asked. No, it's about something Lloyd and I discovered last night while we were talking. Well, I'm starting to have those hallucinations when I'm awake too, said Jill. What hallucinations? asked Yashva. Is the Abbey starting to get to you? We don't know, answered Lloyd, and I'm not having them, but the others are. Asha turned to Yashva. When I sit alone, not really doing anything, just sort of sitting there, I've started to see these, these visions, but they're very mundane, just maybe a street where people are walking and milling about, or maybe a coach station. It lasts a few minutes and then fades. I thought it might be a strand I could enter since that's what we're practicing, but I can't. It's, it's just a scene that appears for a bit. Jill spoke up. I'm having very, very lucid, vivid dreams, unlike any I've had before, and unlike my other dreams, uh, these are very linear and coherent, like a little story. One time it was this man going to work, day in and day out, and he started embezzling from his job. He did it more and more, but then he started to get nervous that he'd be discovered and became very anxious. I could feel his anxiety very vividly. He eventually got caught and was arrested and sentenced. It was like seeing a novel play out in front of me. It didn't do the random stream of consciousness things that dreams usually do, and I thought it was some type of spiritual sight manifesting, but then I talked to Asha and Michael, who are having the same thing. Michael nodded. 
Yeah, I have a bit of both. I, I really like it, though. I, I watch these little mini-stories, but they only last a few minutes. Mine, however, pick up where they left off. I've seen three entire stories play out, and they're really cool to watch, except for uh, they all end sadly. I do believe that even if the Abbey is influencing them, said Lloyd, they have more to do with the collective state of transcendence. I think our exercises are causing what might be latent abilities to manifest. Then why isn't it happening to you? asked Yashva. We don't know, but I've only just left my world. The others have been out of their worlds for some time. There could be something there, although Asha and I actually wanted to talk to you about returning to my world. We believe we've discovered something. Well, I'm all ears, said Michael. I love me a little adventure. What you guys got in mind? Okay, said Asha. Lloyd and I were hanging out last night, and we started talking really in depth about his flowering experience. You all know about the cult? Jill smiled at Lloyd. You're like her own cute little ninja muffin. Yeah, that was rough, said Michael. But you did what you had to to survive. Asha continued. Well, there's more. I think Lloyd was so freaked out during the affair he didn't... I think there were clues. I think the cult laid out a series of clues and I'm not even sure if they themselves understood what they were doing. I think they were laying out a message. What message? asked Jill. From who? About what? Lloyd explained carefully his entire experience with the death cult that had hunted and terrorized him and explained the things they had sent him and the details. At first, the group didn't see it, but Asha explained her interpretation. Whoa, said Michael. Yeah, said Jill. I feel a hand at work here. I sense a different presence. So you agree with us. It could be the Crossroads people. How did you see those notes were a cipher, asked Michael. Well, Asha did. I never... I never examined it that... Methodically, I'm ashamed to say, I was so scared. It was so traumatizing. I... Lloyd began to cry. They all rose and went over to him and wrapped him in a group hug. After that, they seated themselves again, and Asha resumed. So, once you decipher it all, this is the full message. She pulled out her notes and showed them to the gang. Did Lloyd ever go there? If he didn't decipher this, then he never went to this place to check what they left for him. No, said Lloyd. I never did. Asha looked at them. We need to go back to Lloyd's narrative, all of us. If we can contact these transcendents, they could teach us, join us, help us against the gnomes. We can't jump, and even if we could, who knows how we'd ever control it. We'll have to do it the long way, like you did before. Would you be willing to come with me? I don't want to do it alone, and it could be very important. Jill stood up. You're with us now, Lloyd. We're family. We'd follow you to hell and back without question. You don't even have to ask. Yeah, said Michael. Sometimes it feels like everything before you guys was a dream, and we're all that's really real. We go and we go together. Yashva stood up. Please come straight back. We'll await your return. And with that, it was agreed. The gang followed the same course to Lloyd's world that Michael and Jill did last time. 
Once there, they carefully followed the clues that Asha and Lloyd had deciphered. The cult had set up a series of puzzles, although Asha was convinced they themselves had no idea what they were really doing. She also had a theory that they would have brought Lloyd to the secret chamber the gang was searching for, but Lloyd wasn't convinced. He assured her their attempts at his murder were not feints, but legitimate tries. He was noticeably nervous and anxious as they went through the breadcrumb trail, and the gang were all very protective of him and reassuring, especially Asha, who would just silently be by Lloyd's side whenever he was especially jittery. He didn't want a fuss paid to him, so Asha did it calmly but firmly, letting him know he was no longer alone and that she would take any knife meant for him. Yes, but would you wield the knife, he asked her once. For any of you, I would, without hesitation, she answered. Jill cast several protective spells over them and reassured the group nothing short of an explosion would even touch them, and even the explosion would likely just give them a light sunburn. It was a disturbing trail, for murder cults are not usually made up of particularly wholesome individuals. They had believed that sacrifices of blood would result in their gaining superhuman consciousness and abilities and that the world was a horrifying hellscape disguised as a pleasant world in order to keep the sheep of humanity asleep. The strong, the acolytes, could transcend the illusion and eventually fight and destroy the forces keeping them trapped, and when that happened, they themselves would take over command of the reality cage. They also just plain liked to murder. The souvenirs and keepsakes were terrible, and Jill in particular was highly bothered. The darker and deeper the gang went, the closer they got to the secret sanctum they were searching for, the more Lloyd steeled up and became emotionless. Jill, on the other hand, had the opposite reaction. Asha could also turn off her emotions to a degree, and Michael, Michael made wisecracks and pretended to be cavalier, but he was also jittery. Still, his desire to protect Jill far outweighed his own squeamishness, and so for her sake, he pretended it didn't bother him. Unpleasant though it was, they did eventually find the cult's secret sanctum. In it was an old radio. The radio was attached to nothing, no power. It shouldn't have worked at all, but when they turned it on, it gave a signal. Lloyd picked up the microphone attached to it and spoke into it. Hello? Hello, is anyone there? Static. And then... Hello? Hello? Is this Lloyd Allen? Yes, this is Lloyd Allen. To whom am I speaking? There was a flurry of whispers on the other end. Then a woman's voice took over. Lloyd! It worked! You're still alive! We knew you'd make it! My name is Seridwan. This is Baron Samedi. Hello, Lloyd, said the Baron. We have waited a long time for you to flower and follow the clues. Wait a minute, said Jill. Excuse me a second. Did you say you were Baron Samedi? I am. Um, I've met the Baron. This is not the Baron. There was a moment of silence. Well, I am the Baron of this realm. Siridwan's voice returned. Some of us have taken the name of mythological persons we've admired. I'm not mythological, said the Baron. 
Yeah, the Baron is not mythological. I've met him, said Jill. So you're not the Saradwan. You've just named yourself after her. There was arguing on the other end. Saradwan spoke again. I'm not sure all of us remember that we're not who we're named after. I don't think any of us remember who we were before, and I'm one of the few who remember not being our adopted archetype. We've become who we are. We think we've become. We have a lot of problems with our memory. We've been trapped here for thousands of years. The gang looked at each other. Jill kept the mic and spoke. Miss Saradwan, um, hi, my name's Jill. I'm with Lloyd. We're transcendents just like you. Um, I'm pretty sure you haven't been there thousands of years, but I don't know how time works where you are. From our universe, uh, where we think you come from, you've been there maybe, uh, I don't know, a century? Uh, maybe two. Hello, Jill, is it? Do you know what happened? Who trapped us here? Are we dead? We're dead. We think we're in the afterlife, but maybe maybe just a, a simulation of it? Someone put us here, but we don't remember who. We've tried to flower someone on the outside to rescue us. We've been here so long. Maybe, maybe 700 years. The gang covered the mic and spoke softly. Um, I think they've lost a screw, said Michael. Everything we've come across says they did this to themselves, said Asha. I think when they sealed themselves off, they created a timeless space that's messing with their memory. If you create a space without time, used Jill, how would memory even work when it sourced your experiences through time? I think they made a mess and then forgot they made the mess. But do we tell them? Lloyd cleared his throat. <clears> throat> I think, strategically speaking, we should avoid this line of conversation and get to what they want. Asha nodded. I agree. Let's just get to business. We'll figure out the details later. Hi, Saradwan, said Jill. What is it you want? You want to be rescued. Uh, can you tell us how to do that? Saradwan answered. Whoever did this to us was very crafty. They, they really, they locked us in the afterlife. Are we dead? We need you to come to Elysium and break us out. If they're in Elysium, they're dead. We, we can't bring back the dead, said Michael. Um, said Jill, how do you suggest we do that? Lloyd can do it, Sarah once said. We flowered him. He's a transcendent like us. He's smart. He'll figure out how to bust us out of here. We've been trapped here for 3,000 years, but, but maybe we're alive. We're alive! Someone trapped us here. This is a private Elysium. It's not the real Elysium. You need to find Lloyd Allen. He'll find a way. They are missing a whole bunch of screws, said Michael. Yeah, they're not right, said Asha. We need them, said Jill. Maybe if we break them free, they'll sober up. I think they're just tripping. We need them. We should help. So, let me get this straight, said Lloyd. They sicked a murder cult on me, on me personally, to flower me so I would rescue them. I'm telling you, buddy, they are not playing with the full deck, said Michael. 
I'm leading towards letting them rot, said Lloyd. Asha touched Lloyd's shoulder. Jill's right, though. They do know how to do all the things we don't. We need them. Think of the knowledge. Lloyd nodded slowly. Hello, Severed One? This is Lloyd Allen. Lloyd! It worked! You're still alive! We knew you'd make it! My name is Saradwan. This is Baron Samedi. Michael rolled his eyes. Even Jill sighed. Uh, how do I rescue you? You're all transcendence. Tell me what you want me to do. You need to figure out how to break in here and break us out, said Saradwan. Did you hear that noise? asked Asha. Yes, I understand that. How? asked Lloyd. On level five, your powers will be at their zenith. Go there. Or maybe you can jump a doorway to us. Uh, the teddy bears, maybe. Find the teddy bears. Wait, said Baron Samedi. The teddy bears. Didn't they tell us not to do this? Not to do what, said Saradwan. Are they teddy bears yet? asked the Baron. I thought they were rats. Rats? Where? asked Saradwan. Are you talking to them now? Tell them to find Lloyd Allen. Lloyd will know how to rescue us, said the Baron. Hello, teddy bears? Can you find Lloyd Allen? It's a high-pitched sound, said Asha. Doesn't anybody hear that? They're idiots, said Lloyd. They're nuts, said Michael. What is that sound, said Jill? I've heard it before. She and Asha looked at each other. Michael, said Jill. Michael suddenly froze, listening, and a look of terror filled his face. That noise. I'd recognize it anywhere. They're here. That high-pitched noise, asked Lloyd. Yes, I hear it too. What does it mean? Um, said Jill into the mic. We're up. We'll call you back. And she turned off the radio. Do we go upstairs and open the door to outside, said Asha? Maybe really slowly, said Jill. Hang on, I'm going to cloak us. They opened the door from the secret sanctum, made their way back into the basement where they'd come from and up into the mansion above it. The sound grew excruciatingly loud. They opened the front door and looked out into the street. Oh, hell no, said Michael. Jill screamed. Asha gasped. Lloyd did what he always did under horrible circumstances and became very calm. The gnomes were invading, pouring across the sky, the land, devouring the world, little black things consuming everything in their path. They had clearly been at it a while while the gang was in the room, and Lloyd's world was becoming a wasteland before their very eyes. They're, they're destroying my world, said Lloyd. We gotta go, said Michael. The way we came doesn't exist anymore, said Jill. Look at them. They're eating this world. There was a whistle. In the doorway of the mansion stood the boy. He was holding the radio. He put it down and quickly disappeared inside. We need to go back in there and do our jump, said Asha. Are you kidding, said Michael? We've never pulled it off. Asha's right, said Lloyd. We have no options, and our window is fast closing. Come, quickly. Pick up the radio. 
Take it into the big room, assume your positions, and let's begin the scene. The group, shaking and terrified, ran to the parlor room and stood in their places in shock. We begin. Please, he looked at them all. Please concentrate. No matter what, find what it takes and do the scene like your life depends upon it. The buzzing almost completely drowned out their voices, but they performed the scene of the play with a passion none had ever put into it before. The windows became black as the gnomes descended upon the mansion. Transition now, screamed Lloyd. They abruptly stopped the scene and began a gentle series of dance moves, slowly whirling about, coming to a stop in their positions for the second play. Michael delivered the first half of his new line, and as the gnomes tore the walls of the mansion apart, like locusts devouring the walls of reality, the gang simply disappeared. Now we here at the podcast uh, seem to specialize in very, very just terrible music. Really awful stuff. Can't say I've liked a single thing thus far. Um, but today we have an especially dreadful, dreadful piece. I believe that we have hit a new low today, folks. Um, really, nothing redeeming about it. I'm sorry. That's all I can say to you. I'm sorry for, for having to put your ears through this. I certainly will be holding my... I'm not listening to this thing a second time. Once was enough. But, well, here you go. Another just god-awful song to torture you with. was the king he had he lived for months beneath the sea to woo a mermaid maiden she had a sea king dad who hated men tried to kill him dead but then pixel waves old dad he made a deal with creatures weird and strange Yakuza, they promised to send dad on home, but only if old Pixel's dad gave them the firstborn that he had. His mermaid girl, she'd given birth to a little human girl. Pixel waved, but dad was slick, he took her, the Yakuza tripped. In the alleys in the city, dark and grave, there is a so bitter and for years now it has raged picks away 
Facing off yet once again With assassins fierce and wild Another mayhem-filled palooza Pixelwave and calamari yakuza Yakuza have hunted Pixel near and far Her life's been spent on learning how to foil them when they come round Her lovers are in danger grave The Yakuza with spells arcane have sneaky no good magic tricks They turn them into black tar pits Things they do make Pixel mad She's learned some spells both black and bad And keeps a scimitar of steel To make some sushi for her meal Of calamari that she cuts from bodies They keep sending up This feud is long and so ugly One day we'll land beneath the sea In the alleys in the city Dark and grave there so bitter and for years now it has raged picks away with scimitar and spells so black and vile facing off yet once again with assassins fierce and wild another mayhem filled palooza picks away and calamari yakuza Oh good, I was just wondering what I was gonna have for lunch. Another mayhem-filled palooza.
Another mayhem-filled palooza Pixel wave and calamari Yakuza 